the biggest part of branding is figuring out the promise that you make to a consumer and the expectation they have. This is almost every single time the first place where an entrepreneur screws it up. Welcome to The Branding Lab, a workshop-style podcast focused on providing actionable advice on how to build a remarkable brand. When host Yvonne Ivanescu decided to launch her own swimwear brand, she didn't know where to start. So she went straight to the experts. And the result? In-depth conversations with entrepreneurs, founders, marketing and brand experts who have created and designed the brands we love and interact with every single day. And now she's here to share these conversations with you. Are you ready to build your brand? Then you're in the right place. All right, let's dive into this episode with your host, Yvonne. Today, we're talking to Mark Stoiber, who for over 30 years has helped everyone from global packaged good giants to local upstarts create brands that are simply that are simple and outperform. Mark is a creative director, entrepreneur, green brand specialist, and writer. He works with clients to build resilient, future-proof brands. Mark's leadership positions have included VP of Green Innovation at Maddox Douglas, president and founder of Change Advertising, national creative director of Grey Canada, and creative director of DDB Toronto. And today, we are chatting all about brand DIY, specifically how can entrepreneurs take control and simplify their brands. Hi, Mark. Hey, how are you doing? That was pretty good. Yeah? Did yeah. I pronounce your last name right? Yep. yep. You're one of the few. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I'm glad. Uh, so, Mark, let's begin with like an easy kind of type of question. Mm-hmm. What is branding and why is it important? <laughs> no? Not, I, get not all these, I get all the easy questions. <laughs> uh, branding, uh, if you want to deconstruct it. Branding is a mark that you put on something to identify it as as property. You know, if you want to get real simple, and um, you know, it's as simple as uh, sticking a hot iron on the back of a cow's bum, and it says, <laughs> "That's my cow." Now, the thing is, uh, with certain brands, certain ranchers have better cows than other cows, and so they stick their brand on that cow, and everybody goes, "Oh, I see that brand on the back of that cow's bum. That's a good cow. I know that brand." And that is kind of the short story of brands. Brands are symbols, icons that represent something in the eye of the beholder. So, you know, it's just a piece of iron on the cow's bum. But if it's got a certain shape to it, the person who looks at it goes, huh, that's a good cow because I've heard about those cows or that's a lousy cow. So brands, I mean, have been around since we were living in trees uh, from the feathers that we wear in our hair to, you know, the beads or the saber-toothed tiger teeth that we wear around our neck to the crosses that the, you know, the Knights Templar used to wear on their way to the Holy Land to fight the infidel in the Middle Ages in the Crusades to uh, logos on airplanes that said, this is my airplane or that's the enemy's airplane to stuff that you see on a, on a pack of toothpaste where you go, huh, I like that toothpaste. I don't like that other type of toothpaste. How do I know that? I just have a feeling. And brands are, are visual or audio ways of conveying an emotion in shorthand to a person. Now, that's 
that's that's like as if you just remember nothing but it's it's the brand on the back of a cow's bum and the person who sees it goes that's a good cow or a bad cow it's an emotional response to something that is just an icon so uh that is that's what branding is that's what a brand is now branding is is actually really simple uh branding is uh two things one it's a promise that i make to you yvonne it's a promise that okay. my product is going to be really, really good. And the other part of it is an expectation that you have of me. You say, Mark, I expect that if I buy this thing, it's going to do what you said it's going to do. So branding is that dance between promises made and expectations held. And that is how people build up this emotional connection with things as stupid as a tube of toothpaste or a rubber tire. So there you go. Amazing. Now, I know that you've written a guide called Brand DIY, Mm -hmm. and it's a step-by-step guide to building a powerful brand. Mm -hmm. Can we go through those steps, or can you give us like a little bit of a I can tell you. um, I can tell you what the steps are. Uh, First off, I, I wrote Brand DIY. I've helped a lot of big brands. You know, I, I, I worked with Procter and Gamble. I worked with Unilever. I worked with Suzuki and Canon and uh, Volkswagen and Budweiser and McDonald's. I've, I've built brands for all of those folks. And um, I came to realize that they don't need my help. The people who need my help are entrepreneurs. I imagine you're talking to entrepreneurs in this podcast, right? Yes, yeah. definitely. They're the folks that I love to work with because they're the most excited folks I've ever met. And I fell into it a few years ago when I moved from Vancouver to Victoria and I, I, I thought it was going to be a dead end place. And I fell in with the local incubator accelerator, the tech incubator, and I was surrounded by tech entrepreneurs. And they were the most lively people I had met since my early days in advertising. It was so much fun. So I, I started working with them and it has been so rewarding. Now, the average entrepreneur can't pay me or the average startup entrepreneur can't pay me because I I charge too much money. So I said, this is a problem because I want to help them, but they don't have the money. So I wrote a guidebook called Brand DIY and uh, folks can check it out on the branddiy.com website. And uh, this guidebook basically takes you through all the steps that I have followed in 30 plus years working with massive brands and startups alike. They're always the same steps. So the first step, remember when I said the, the, the biggest part of branding is figuring out the promise that you make to a consumer mm-hmm. and the expectation they have. This is almost every single time the first place where an entrepreneur screws it up because mm-hmm. uh, they don't ask people what they want. And even if they do ask them what they want, once they develop a thing, they don't ask them if that thing is the right thing to solve their problem. And it's a very easy human uh, condition. When you have a baby, you don't go out to people and you say, do you think my baby is good looking or is it an ugly baby? And most people (laughs) will never tell you if it's an ugly baby because they don't want to hurt your feelings. So if you develop a product, and you go out and you say to someone, do you think it's a good product? And they go, that sucks. They know they've just crushed you. And nobody wants to do that. So the first step in brand DIY 
And I map this out. I give people like um, questions to ask and interview methodologies. I get them to go out there and talk to people who might be their customers, people who will be working with them, people who are stakeholders, people who look on from the outside. They don't buy their product, but they're involved. Folks like journalists. And I get them to ask, is what where does it hurt? Uh, what do you what do you what would you use to fix that hurt? And does this thing that I have fix that hurt for you? And uh, you know, you you see variations of this. You know, when you walk through a shopping mall and you have students with clipboards asking you questions, and the, you know, everybody hates those things, those sort of quick opinion polls and online polls. Nobody does them. I think it's super important. In fact, I think it's the most important part of branding that you get eye to eye with somebody and sit down and they, you say, where does it hurt? And they tell you, and then you say, why and how and where and when, you know, the, 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 the honest serving men, who, what, where, when, why, how. Um, but the biggest part of branding is that asking people where it hurts, what they would like to have to fix that hurt. And if the thing that you created fixes that hurt and it sounds so simple 90 percent of the time the people that i work with big and small don't do it they don't ask and that's where is it it, is it is it because maybe they don't want or maybe they don't feel like they want to go out there and start asking well or? you know technology hasn't helped because <laughs> um we live in a world where uh, especially younger people live in a world with big headphones and they stare at a screen and yes. so they have been, they have become, uh, you know, socially, and they have an extremely hard time connecting with other humans eye to eye, face to face, much harder than, than it used to be. Um, and technology has leapt in and said, you know what? You can cheat all that. You don't need to see people eye to eye. You can use SurveyMonkey or some other methodology for doing online surveys. You can do, uh, you can have a chat bot on your website, talking to people. Is this what you're looking for? Now, if you do a survey, you, Yvonne, somebody mm -hmm. sends you a survey, fill out this survey. You go, ah, screw you. And you, you fill it out as quickly as possible and you lie. And the survey never goes very deep anyway. If you have somebody intercept you uh, in a shopping mall or coming to your house and they don't know what they're talking about, they're not close to the product, they're not passionate about the product. And they say, can I ask you a few questions? And then they go through those questions at machine gun speed and you answer like can i please just get out of here mm -hmm. and uh you know that is how people do the majority of their research or god forbid the focus group um do you know what a focus group is yes yeah i mean for folks who don't know what focus groups are they are satan's gift to research uh i have wasted years of my life sitting in dark rooms listening to people discuss cheese and have one bossy person control the conversation and everybody else nod, just hoping they get their $20 and a lukewarm diet Coke. Um, terrible things. Interview research is the only way to do research properly to really get to the juice of what is inside people's brains and hearts. And technology has made it easy to avoid that. And people are afraid to do it because it, one, means they have to talk to other people. And two, even worse, they have to talk to them about their baby and if their baby is ugly or not. So that's why 
research is very hard and continues to be the number one thing standing in between people and great brands. And how many people would you recommend that entrepreneurs should reach Not out a lot. to on top? Not okay. a lot. If you, um, if you have 10 people, I've done it with five. If you have 10 people who are customers, who are happy with your product, and you talk to them, and you really talk to them, you can get an extremely deep idea of where it hurts, what they wish they had, and what your product does and doesn't satisfy. Although even better, if you get, say, 10 people who love your product and five people who love somebody else's product or who used to love your product and now hate your product, it, it, it would blow your mind the, the, the possibilities and, and the sparks of imagination that you can get just from sitting down with people, especially people who don't like your product, and asking How- them. How about people who haven't launched their product yet? Then it, that's, see, that's, that's a big barrier to, to most people because they go, well, I don't have any customers. Yeah, yeah. So what? You have an idea. You know who you're making the product for, whether it's a walker for your grandmother or, you know, a, a childproof something for your friend's kids that you, that you saw and were inspired by. You've got drawings. You know people out there who would probably be the ones who should buy your product. If you don't know people who should be the people who should buy your product when it's done, you better go back and figure out if that's a product you want to launch. You should have a very good idea that, aha, I see these teenage girls. They're the perfect people to buy my product. I've got a drawing of my product on a napkin. I'm going to ask them where it hurts, what they wish they had, and does this thing I've drawn on the napkin do they think that that would fix it? So there's absolutely no excuse, even if you're just drawing stuff on a napkin. You can still sit down and talk to somebody. Amazing. So number one. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that it's not amazing. It is, it's so fundamental. But what we've done, you know, it, it, children would do this, yeah. but it takes a lifetime of education and, and, uh, and, and work to convince yourself that you don't know what this is. You know, it's, yeah. it's actually very human, but we've convinced ourselves that we can get past it. I think a lot of people also start launching things because they see trends or they think that it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and then they don't even ask, they don't do the research and then they launch and, oh. you know, what's, what's the difference between your whatever yeah. product and that other person's product? And yeah. it's exactly the same. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, after, after that, you know, the key word in what you just said is think. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very dangerous to think too much uh, when you're at the very early stages. You know, when it gets to later stages, when you hear that people would like this thing, they don't have this thing. They really want this thing. They pay this much to get this thing. When you have that stuff, then you can start to think. And that's the fun part because that's when you start to get creative. You know, you go, I see all the products uh, that are doing the same thing that my product is doing, but um, I can make mine different by doing this, 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 this. And that's where your creativity kicks in and where you can start to really think, you know, Mm -hmm. to make yourself different. And so the first step of brand DIY is research. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what's the second step? The second step is to gather up what we do. We gather up all these insights 
uh, you know, when people say stuff, they'll say the darndest things. They'll tell you everything you need to know without even knowing they're saying it. And these, when you're listening to them talk, you'll go, oh, that's cool. I have had in most cases where I do research, consumers just tell me stuff that ended up being company names. They end up telling me stuff that should be an innovation the product should have in it. They'll tell you the darndest things without knowing that, you, that they've said it. So the next step is you gather up all these insights like Halloween candy on a bed and you start to sift through it and you go, where's all the good stuff? Where's the really good candy bars? And you pull those candy bars off and say, all right, let's brainstorm around these three or four ideas, these insights. And the first thing you do is you create what's called a positioning statement. Now, a positioning statement, if you were to ignore everything else in brand DIY except for the research and the positioning statement, you would be in a great place. The positioning okay. statement is, uh, let, let, let me make it real simple. As humans, we have a very powerful tool and it's our brain. Our brain, however, has finite space for stuff like remembering brands. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't allocate a ton of space to that. And there are a billion brands out there, a billion things to buy, a billion things that people want. And our poor brain can only hang on to a tiny fraction of those. So what our brain does, when a new shiny brand or thing comes along and the brain says, oh, I better hang on to that, what it does, it pushes something else out the other ear. So in order for your brain to hang on, or somebody's brain, a consumer's brain, to hang on to your brand, you have to claim a stake. It's almost like uh, in the Wild West when they used to put a stake in the ground and say, this is my land. You have to put a stake in the consumer's brain saying, this space is my space. And the way you stake that claim is by making your product unique enough that it can occupy a place in the consumer's brain that no other brand has claimed. So if you are selling soap to a mom, uh, a mom, let's say a mom has uh, five different soap brands in her head. She's got the, the luxury soap for her face. She's got the soap for the kids, which is cheap and makes them smell good. She's got the soap for her husband, which is hardworking. She doesn't have a lot more space in her brain for new brands of soap. So your soap has to say something very different. And for example, I just worked with a client who makes soap and her soap brand, she says, we're not selling soap, we're selling hope. And the hope is for a better world. And it's all about her philosophy of sustainability and social equity and uh, creating a wonderful gifting program where people can help out other people. And the soap is quirky. It's shaped in the form of a hippo. So you go, huh, this is the gift soap that makes me feel good. And I mean, she's, she's successful already, but uh, it's one of those things where you go, well, she found a space in the consumer's brain that other soaps don't occupy yet. Therefore, she has a position that she can claim. And if she's good in talking to people and talking up that position again and again and again, 
that soap brand will stick in their brain next time they need a gift. They'll go, I want to buy some of that soap. That, so that's positioning, staking out a position in the consumer's brain by saying we are the best or the only soap that does this and it's important to you because that. That is the second step. And I think that's super, that's interesting in the sense that the, then the differentiator is not that the soap is made differently, no. but it's the story and like just changing the shape of it yeah. creates something completely different. So you it's, don't have to reinvent the world, like the wheel, you don't have to create, you know, the no. completely different type of soap. No, know? no. And the whole thing is most of the time companies position internally and what that means is that they say our soap has XYZ ingredient. So it's different. And they think that that's a different position. It's not. A different position is finding a space in your consumer's brain that nobody has occupied and saying, I'm going to own this. So a consumer might look at soap that you say is it's got XYZ ingredient and consumers go, what? I don't need, that's stupid. I don't need that. <laughs> so that is what's called internal or inside out positioning. What you want to do is create outside in. So you start with somebody who has a need. I have a need to give something to somebody that is quirky and fun and different, and they're not going to re-gift. They're going to use, and it has a social cause attached to it, and they'll remember it. That's outside in. That's positioning from the consumer's perspective. And then the company builds the product to reflect that. Because it's always, it's always, everyone needs to remember that it's not about you. It's all about the consumer. Right. So it's always focused first on the consumer and what their needs are and what their pain points are. Right. And you know what? The beauty of this, the beauty of this is I haven't invented anything yet. <laughs> uh, what I'm, all I've done, I've talked to people and I say, where does it hurt? And, oh, it hurts there. So what do you wish you had to fix that hurt? And they tell me. And then I say, I'm going to create a thing that is the best at blah 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 What do you think of that? So all I've done to this point is talk to people, figure out where it hurts, and then say, I'm going to invent a product, and I give them my positioning statement, the product that is absolutely the best at blah. And they go, huh. And you know that they're going to remember it. They're going to carve out a space in their brain for that idea. And if they get that product, they're going to hang on to it and they're going to give it and they're going to remember it because I've staked out a unique claim. I still haven't invented a product, right? Yeah. So all this stuff about you know working for years in the basement inventing products, it's all bullshit. Start with people and ask them, what the hell do they want? You'd be surprised. I'd say about 98% of uh, innovators don't do that. Yeah. Do you have another example of a client uh, that you can talk about how you created their position? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, we're working on it right now. Actually, um, one of the brand DIY products is called the Brand Starter Kit. Mm -hmm. And we had a, a very successful store out of Vancouver approach me. And they said... Um, uh, we have, we started out as a tea store selling tea from the UK and then we grew into household wares and gifts, but we feel like we want to expand in our brand, which they, they were called, uh, the Port Moody refillery. 
mm-hmm. a refillery is a place where you go to fill up your soap bottles and your you know dishwash detergent and all that stuff. It's kind of an old fashioned term, and uh, we've outgrown that. We want to be more, and so we did that. And it's funny because in talking to consumers, they went through the brand starter kit, which essentially primes them uh, to do the research themselves, talk to their own customers. And in one of those conversations, customers said, you know, the stuff, one, when I walk in your store, it feels like I'm taking a bit of a holiday. I'm experiencing new stuff, fun stuff. It, it's nice. I drop the kids off and I come in here and I just feel nice. Also, um, you're almost like you're the, you're the opposite of ordinary. And that was an example of a great insight, the opposite of ordinary. So here's a little store where if you go in, you're going to find the opposite of ordinary. And it was a short step from that to creating their position. They are the unboring store. Now, I can't tell you uh, what the new name is, but the new name for the company popped right out of that. And what we've decided is that the positioning is going to be, if you're used to boring, this is the opposite of that. If you're used to mediocre, this is the opposite of that. If you're used to unsustainable or stuff you throw away, this is the opposite of that. And it's like 7-Up, the Uncola, taking a beverage that was sort of third or fourth or fifth place, which nobody wants to be behind Coke and Pepsi, and turning it into number one anti-cola. And that's how 7-Up got famous, or one of the times 7-Up got famous. So we have taken the same position, the ante of everything that you expect from shopping, and turned that into their position. And they love it. So, And we're rolling it out right now, and they, we, should be, we should be seeing stuff. Um, I can send you stuff as soon as it goes live, but we should be starting to see the website come out within a few weeks. Uh, we're saving the name up though for the end of the year for the Christmas shopping. So that's a great example. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, contrary. Now, it's a, it's one of the it, and you know it's one of the standard sort of positions. If everybody else is doing this, do the opposite. That's yeah. how, that's one way to carve out a unique position. Perfect. So number one, research. Number two, positioning statement. Positioning statement. Number, number three. three. Story. 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 Okay. Now, uh, we're not going to have time to go through all the things, but that's why people should check out the book themselves. But story, 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 story. Story is one of the most used and abused terms in the whole world of branding and marketing. Everybody's got to have a story now. Just like 20 years ago, everybody needed a website. Um, Nobody knows why they want a story, uh, but everybody wants one. And it's it's super simple. As humans, we're, we're wired to remember stories. If I gave you five facts, you know, like read them out to you, you would forget five. You know, I mean, I I go back to the most simple example in the world, 10 commandments. How many do you remember? Ha, gotcha. You know what? (laughs) I can talk to Christians and they will, I can talk to devout Christians and they will remember three or four. How many years have the 10 commandments been out? 2000 years. Okay, we can't remember 10 bloody commandments. What are the chances that everybody's going to remember five facts about your dishwash detergent? Zero. So, but people remember stories. And because we have been taught uh, to listen to stories as our earliest form of entertainment, and people got smart, they packaged information inside of stories so that we would remember it. We called it sort of lessons. Now, in business, 
Uh, if I have somebody tell you five facts about their life, you will forget them. But if I tell you a story about how they were raised on the farm and early on they had this experience that led to them creating this product and here's all the tough times they went to, went through trying to bring their product to the world. And then lucky enough, they were surrounded by good people who lifted them up and made them great. And now this product is here and, you know, buy some. That's a story. That's, you know, it's got standard storytelling structure. You know, there is a setting the scene. You introduce the characters and uh, the the backdrop. Then you introduce a conflict. Uh, you know that that sets the story off. You create uh, trials and tribulations that people experience during this conflict. You create an epiphany, this moment where they went, oh my God, and they realize something, and that arms them to start winning the conflict. And you've got the resolution of the problem. And then you've got the present day where we are happy ending. So that's standard storytelling structure. And in business, if I can tell you the story of the product that way, or the story of the founder, or the story of the average consumer before they got our product, when they got our product, how it changed their lives, how much better they're doing today. If I can tell you that in a story, you're going to remember it. Not only that, though, it's more than remembering. It's about a thing called resonance. Now, if you have, uh, if you have two strings on a guitar and they, they hit within a certain, you hit one and it comes vibrating to a certain sort of frequency that the other one is sympathetic to, the other string, without being touched, will start to vibrate too. Same thing with storytelling. If I tell you a story about being a kid on the farm, you go, oh, sometimes I feel like a kid on the farm too. I remember I always wanted to be a kid on the farm. Right away, I've created a sense of resonance with you. You feel like you're me, you know, or you feel like you could be me. That's why Star Wars, right when Star Wars came out back, you know, in the 1970s, all the kids for Halloween started running around like Luke Skywalker. They all wanted to be Luke Skywalker. A great story puts you, the listener, into the driver's seat and said, you could be Luke Skywalker too. And of course, then you're going to be totally into the story. You put your brand in there and people go, I love that brand because they come from the same place that I do. They came, they invented it for really good reasons, you know? So, so that, you know, research, positioning, storytelling, those are the first three things that, that, that you do when you're building a brand. And I just wanted to touch very quickly and briefly on the last point, because I liked how you said that you have to bring in the listeners and include them mm -hmm. into the storytelling. So mm -hmm. When brands just talk about themselves and talk about their stories without including the listeners, then I would assume that that's not how it's supposed to go. If I tell you, um, if I tell you a story uh, about the French Revolution, and you don't give a shit about the French Revolution, it's going to be like all being back in college all over again, right? You fall asleep mm -hmm. in class. If I tell you a story about somebody just like you who is going through exactly the same things as you, but who had a happy ending that you wish you had, you're going to listen to every word. It's like they say, you know, people won't read 50 words of boring text, but you can write a 5,000 word story about them and they'll read every single word. It has to be something where the consumer can picture themselves in the story. They can, they can feel like they're the hero of the story. 
And you can you teach all of this and how people can create mm-hmm. these types of stories and brand DIY. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I think that's a, that's great because everyone talks about storytelling, but I've never heard someone say, well, you need to include the listeners. Oh, yeah. You need to include the customers in the story. It's not just about you. It's yeah. about them. In and fact, I love that. In angle. fact, I'll go one further. The the brand, the product, whatever you're selling, has to take okay, let's go back to Star Wars. There's two key characters in Star Wars. Well, there's there's a few, but the two of the key characters are Luke Skywalker, the young hero who never wanted to be a hero. He just wanted to be a farm boy. And then he got thrown into this life where he has to, you know, kill Darth Vader and defend the Empire or kill knock out the Empire, the evil Empire. And the second character is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he is the old guy who convinces Luke to go on this journey, this crazy journey. Now, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is what's known in storytelling as a mentor. He's the guy who's seen it all, done it all, and he pushes the hero into their adventure. Imagine the consumer is the hero of your story. You are the mentor. Your product, your cleaning detergent, enables a housewife or a young bachelor to meet the girl of his dreams because he his shirts are white and they don't smell like, you know, guys. So that, you know, what this story this story is about detergent, but it's not. It's about the young guy who wants to meet a girl and this detergent is the mentor. The detergent is helping him along the way. You know, really good brands today more than ever understand this. And they, therefore, they don't just sell detergent, but they give guys tips on how to wash a shirt so that they will meet the right girl. And they tell stories about some guy who is just like them. They have a video testimonial. I was just like you. I never met a girl. And then I figured out how to wash my shirts and they didn't stretch out and they got really nice and white. And then I met a nice girl and she's so proud of me and we're so happy. And every guy looks at that and goes, that guy's like me. So... The hero of the story is actually the person who buys the stuff. And on that note. Yeah, I, I got to go because I'm doing a live stream right now. Yeah, Randy. Yeah. On, on that note, we're going to end this podcast episode. And I just wanted to ask you to share with our listeners before you go, um, where they can find you, where yeah. they can join know, my tribe. You. Join my tribe. Um, I run a, a group on Facebook called Brand DIY. Big surprise there. And it's all for entrepreneurs who want to take control of their brands. And every single day, every single weekday, except when I'm sick, uh, I go on at 10 o'clock in the morning Pacific time with a live cast for about 15 minutes and I give one brand lesson. So today it's all about what's in a brand name. How do you get a good brand name? And so the the group is at brand, B-R-A-N-D, and then D-I-Y. And group, G-R-O-U-P dot com, brand, D-I-Y group dot com. You sign up, answer a few questions, you're in the group, and you get exposed to a bunch of entrepreneurs like yourself and brand professionals like me with live casts every single day. Perfect. Thank you so much again. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Branding Lab podcast with your host, Yvonne Ivanescu. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, or leave us a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. 
We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you next time.